Welcome back to the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast. I'm your host, Mike Petriello, a writer and researcher at MLB.com, joined by Matt Myers, MLB.com National Content Editor. Today is Thursday, March 23rd, and we are shifting fully into season preview mode. This week and next week will be mostly about us looking ahead to the upcoming season. This week, we're going to go through each of the 30 teams and look at the projected win totals and kind of give each other an over-under as a way to get into the season predictions. And then next week, we're going to straight up predict who's going to win each division in major awards and all that. So we're going to get into that shortly. But I, I feel like we'd be missing an opportunity if we didn't briefly talk about the World Baseball Classic because it's been a couple days and I'm still kind of like bouncing off the wall over it. I don't know that I necessarily have the words to describe how cool that ended up being. I think the players probably did a better job by just talking about like how much they can't wait to come back to it. And whatever like your highest expectations could have been for this thing a month ago, it exceeded it by like tenfold. And that's even with like a serious injury to a major superstar. And we're still talking about how great it was. Like I, I I'm shocked by how cool this ended up being. In some ways, that might be the, the biggest takeaway from it is that the night that Edwin Diaz got hurt, I thought like, oh my goodness, this could really damage the future of the tournament. Like it's this could really sour people on it. And everything from that has been, from that, from that point on, was still so positive, so great. And then Altuve still got hurt. Granted, that's a much more minor injury, but he's going to miss, you know, could miss a couple months. And it still didn't matter because the players were still enthusiastic about it. Most of them like were pretty logical about it and were basically said could happen in spring training like it stinks it's a fluke but like this doesn't take away from this event i also think it helps that like the whether or not they actually feel this way the mets have actually been pretty positive about it publicly even like steve cohen yesterday was like hey it stinks but like we move on he still was like it was a great event i love the world baseball classic so like the fact that like we had all of that i think is pretty pretty significant i have a question for you do you know who connor mcdavid is yeah, he's a hockey player. Exactly right. He's more the, than the just best a hockey, hockey player. Like right, he's like he's like Gretzky. It, it, yeah, exactly. Even plays for the Oilers. Right. He's a he's a two time MVP winner. He's very likely going to win it again this year. Uh, and as far as I know, he's sort of Mike Trout esque in the sense that he's not known for like inflammatory statements. You know, he lets his play speak for him and all that. Why do I bring up Connor McDavid? Because he had a quote yesterday, and I, I don't think I've ever heard anyone talk about baseball this way from another sport. I'm going to go ahead and quote Connor McDavid here. Look, everyone is talking about baseball. Did you see Otani versus Trout? That's what hockey's been missing for a decade now. That's what we've been asking for. And I'm thinking to myself, what better promotion for baseball is there when dudes from other sports are like, man, I'm jealous of baseball. I wish it could be as cool as baseball is. I saw that quote. And I'm like, that blew me away. That That's maybe the first time I thought, oh, we're like on a sea change here this is this is when it stopped being oh the weird like international tournament and started being like the world baseball classic when Connor mcdavid is talking about it that way like you know you've got something cool going on no question i mean obviously you could not have scripted it almost was like it almost felt hacky like traverse otani it was like the script writers got lazy like this is <laughs> this is what we got with the only thing that was a little the double play beforehand so he didn't have a runner on base so he couldn't have won the game with a home run is the only thing that like kind of you know knocked the moment down but it was the moment was everything you hoped it would be right down to the fact that it was like a you know a i guess a six pitch at bat where like you know pitches close to the zone out of the zone overpowered him with a couple of fastballs then threw basically the nastiest slider you'll ever see to end it it was everything you could the ending was everything you could have hoped for and i think that like I mentioned this last week how my worst take ever was basically Otani. Uh, not just not going to be able to beat. <laughs> well, amongst the, the worst take ever was many people, including myself, on this podcast saying Otani 
is not going to be able to cut it as a two-way player. And it's hard to believe that he continues to kind of like raise the bar on what he can do. Just like he was basically the best hitter and the best pitcher in the tournament. And my favorite stat about Otani, which he showed off when he beat out an infield single in in the, the championship game, that I, I can't wrap my head around, is that despite all his hitting and all of his pitching, everything that's great about it, last year, Major League Baseball, you go on Baseball Savant, the fastest, average fastest home to first time in baseball last year was not Trey Turner. It was not Bobby Wood Jr. It was Shohei Otani. Like, oh, like that's like the, the eighth coolest thing about him is also he's basically like the fastest guy in the game. It's unreal how good he is. I don't know like if he's going to be the greatest player of all time, but I think right now he is like the greatest singular talent in baseball history. And I think that I that's like. I think that's indisputable. At this point, like, I, I'm not, what more could you possibly want for him to do? Like, there is nothing. And I think, I, I guess my point is, I think that, like, the part of what, you know, we saw with Otani is his, you know, his social media following, like, doubled by, like, 2 million, from, like, 2 million to 4 million over the course of the tournament. I think that, like, actually, this really crystallized, like, everything around Otani. And I think the larger, even casual fan audience fully now appreciates, oh, my goodness, this is the guy. This is just, like, again, I think that, like, you know, Barry Bonds or and Mike Trout are probably gonna, are definitely going to end up with more career war than him. But like in terms of like singular talent right now in this moment, there's never been anything like it. I'm on such a high about this tournament that I'm not even going to give any like the the somewhat negative takes room to breathe because they're not even worth it. Like you can't possibly be unhappy at this point. But I would I want to push back on one thing that I did see. People were saying, well, hey, this was like the greatest tournament of all time. This ruled. They didn't have uh, the pitch timer in it. I, I guess we don't need the pitch timer. And it's like, hold up. First of all, you're probably talking about like the three or four amazingly good games that you watched. I was at USA Great Britain. Let me tell you, that game needed a pitch timer. And there's a little bit of a difference between like one game winner take alls with international all-star teams than like, I don't know, Nationals Pirates on a Tuesday night in July. You know what I mean? Like I, you cannot compare a 2430 game regular season to a once every three year tournament of the gods that bothered me that, that i don't think you can compare them as though they're the same sport because they're not really <laughs> no they're not and i think that that's that's one of the challenges that i think you know the the it'll be interesting to see in 2026 because there's a lot of international players in the tournament who don't play with the pitch clock so i'm i'm not sure they're going to be able to sort of just implement it in 2026 because it might be you know foreign to to a lot of the players who are coming in from other professional leagues. And that's the last thing I want to say um, about this. I think that like, obviously we've seen great players from Japan and Korea come over here and have success in the major leagues, but like watching this Japan team, like the talent, like the clear, like major league level, like all-star talent on the team, obviously Roki Sasaki, the pitcher is like the big one, but then like, you know, uh, Munitaka Murakami, who had a terrible tournament until the last two games when suddenly he's just like, Hitting the ball 115 miles like off the wall or into the second deck. This is the guy who broke Sadaharo O's record last year for home runs in it in the professional baseball. Like that guy is a dude. You know, we saw Yoshida who's gonna play for the Red Sox, who looked way better than like I thought he like it's that's it's that's the guy. Yes. I, I was kind of down on that signing, and I'm like, oh, I have a lot more of an opinion on Masataka Yoshida. But I, I think you make a great, great point there. Like you can't look over at the the you know, most of the leagues, but especially Japan, I think, and say, Oh, it's like double a quality like that that's just not true it's really really good it is a major league and i think it's it's good for the sport 
uh, just globally to say it's not just about American baseball. It's international baseball. And I'm just I'm so excited for this to come back in three years. But more urgently, we have a regular season starting in like a week. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to start diving through some team over unders as we prepare for 2023. We're back on the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast, Mike Petriello and Matt Myers, as we look ahead to the 2023 regular season. Here's what we've decided to do this year. And I apologize for any of you who have enjoyed our 60 facts for 30 teams segment in the past. We're going to do something different. We are going to go through uh, each of the over-unders projected win totals for the 30 teams. And Matt and I are going to kind of yell at each other about which one is right and wrong. Uh, there's a number of sites that offer this kind of information. Often we use our friends at Fangraphs. For this, we've decided to use Baseball Prospectus's Pakoda because they do good work, but also because they've got a, a bit of a larger spread than Fangraphs does. The highs are higher, the lows are lower, and that makes it a little more fun to talk about. So what I did uh, is a little bit different. I kind of just wrote down for all the 30 teams what I thought my projected wins would be, and then I compared them to what Pakoda uh, had like without me seeing it because I didn't want to be uh, you know, influenced by it. Actually, pretty close. I ended up plus one and a half wins higher on average than than they did. Now, there are some teams I'm like 10 wins off from them, but it all comes out in the wash. We're going to start in the American League. We're going to start in the American League East. And um, Matt, the uh, the projected winner of the American League East here by Prakota is the New York Yankees at 96 wins. I came out with 94, so slightly under. Give me where you are at 96 for the Yankees. Uh, I'm I'm under on the Yankees just because I th- I mean like last year we saw how reliant they were on Judge on offense and the whole Carlos Rodon injury it, it feels kind of murky it's like and he was obviously their signature signing this offseason so a little skeptical of that team you know the people are you're talking about Josh Donaldson he looks great in spring he's hitting the ball hard sure a lot of people look great in spring I think that like this spring probably more than ever almost hammers home and we'll, this will be a running theme through this podcast because of the new rules, just to hear players talk about how much they treat spring like practice. You know, like you're hearing pitchers being like, yeah, I haven't had many base burners on. So I like glad to have a couple of base burners on today so I could work on my move and work on working with the the throws restrictions. So you like you really realize and then the, you know, just like not to take anything away from players who have big springs. Sometimes big springs do lead to big changes because the player actually did something different or they're healthy. But I'll take the under on the Yankees. Uh, I will too, but I still said 94 wins because they're in a weird spot where they re-signed Aaron Judge, which is enormous, right? They signed Carlos Rodon, who's very good. And I know he's got a little injury right now. Anthony Volpe is going to be up at some point this year. Maybe even Jason Dominguez later in the year. And yet people are kind of focusing on the questions like who's playing left field? Who's going to play shortstop? Is there enough pitching? It's still a really good team. Like it's really, really good. Um, So when I say under, still 94 wins. Uh, the second best projected team by Prakota is Toronto at 89 wins. I ended up, and again, I did my own win projections without looking at what they did. I ended up way over. I'm plus six here. I have them at 95 wins because I'm going to pick them over the Yankees to win the East. So I'm a big over on 89 for Toronto. It feels a little light. It does. I mean, that's like a really talented team. And I felt like a few of their hitters kind of had weird years last year. And they added Varsho, who just shore up their defense. My concern here a little bit is like the pitching, you could, I go both ways on this pitching. Like I look at it and on paper, the first glance, like, oh, this is a good pitching staff. But I, I'm I'm over on the 89 wins, but I'm still, I, I'm 
we'll, we'll, we'll get to our predictions next week. I still haven't decided who I think is going to win this division, frankly. Oh, um, because yeah. I, uh, For the record, I could say that I'm going to pick somebody to win, but I still might change my mind next week. This is not set in stone here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But I, so will far, I will take the I, over there. Yeah, I don't, I don't like so far we're two for two in agreement. We've, we've really got to come up with a couple where we, we disagree here. Uh, they have, let's see, third place. They will have the Rays at 87. I had the Rays at 91. And I think that's because the Rays always end up being more than, than the, you know, you look at the roster and it's like, oh, okay, there's not superstars here. And they always win up more games. And at the risk of being sucked in by spring trading performance, Jeffrey Springs has added his sweeper to go with his slider. And he's got like a 24 to two strikeout to walk ratio. And he was already good last year. He looks amazingly good. Wander Franco is going to be back. So I'm over uh, there 87 because I have him at 91. I think the Rays are going to be quite good this year. I always feel like I think the Rays, it's I always like their roster. Generally speaking, when it push comes to shove, I'm like, oh, the Rays, like this is a good team. They got all these interesting pieces. But Franco was such a disappointment last year. And I'm not I'm not fully out hurt. on him because he was hurt. But like I, I just I don't have a good reason here. And they're gonna make me look stupid because they always make me look stupid. I'm gonna I'm gonna go on the under under on the race here. I'm just a little, maybe a little bit skeptical of just this like we'll piece it together thing they always have going, and that some years it's just not gonna work. And I feel like this year might be one of those years. For the record, I'm marking these down. I'm keeping track of these so we can go back and look at it again later. Sounds great. Fourth place in the American League East by Pakoda is the Red Sox at 80. Uh, but you first. I've gone with the first day. Where are you on 80 for the Red Sox? Um, I'm going to take the under on the, on that, partially because I think oh. that, like, I, th- I think they're a team that could fall out of it. And I think that they are a team that could also be, as a result of it, trade some pieces. And yes. so I think that there's a team that, like, if they don't really, if they're not really cooking, they could they could trade off some of these guys, and I think that that's that's could end up could end up really hurting them as the season goes on. Ben, I thought I was the low man on the Red Sox, and you went under eighty. I said over, but only because I picked them for eighty two wins. Like I'm I'm with you. I will say uh, Yoshida maybe changed my opinion a little bit, right? Because he might be a much better player than I thought. The the pitching I have no confidence in, like none whatsoever and obviously like story got hurt and bogarts is gone so i I said over but only because i said 82 wins uh as opposed to 80 i guess i should point out too i just kind of arbitrarily picked wins and i did not go and make sure it all evened out i don't know if i picked the whole league to be like a 550 league so it's for fun (laughs) this is this is what i like about doing it this way is you don't have like this is i'm just saying over under i don't even it doesn't matter i don't have to be accountable for any of my totals um um because one of us thought Sorry. ahead and then the other one is, you know, you. Okay, here's the last one. This is the fun one. I, I ended up having a 10-win difference in opinion for Pakoda here. They have Baltimore, 74 wins. I should say this is not a, a baseball perspective-specific issue because I think Fangraphs is pretty similar. They also view them as like a 75-win team. So when I was just writing down my list, uh, again, not comparing it to anything, I had Baltimore 84 wins. And so that's a plus 10 over 74. And you have... I'm definitely over on that. I mean, I, I'm I'm still disappointed by their offseason of like not really doing anything significant to improve their chances of like what was kind of a breakout year, like Kyle Gibson was their signature signing, which is not that exciting. But I think they're, you know, they're they're counting on, hey, we have a lot of these young kids. They're gonna come up this year. Grayson Rodriguez, the, the right-handed pitcher, might good chance he'll make the opening day roster. Um so they got Gunnar Henderson ready to play a full season. Like it's they should they should be they should be better than 74 wins i think even if things kind of went right for them last year i think that they've got a good infrastructure in terms of like also like their their bullpen's kind of sneaky good and even if the rotation's not great i think the lineup will will 
there's a lot of ups, there's a lot of room for growth because of all these young players. I agree. I also think they're in sort of the opposite situation of the Red Sox, where because the Red Sox signed all of these like one year veterans, like you know Jansen and Martin, they could sell. And I think if the Orioles are playing really well, I, they could buy. Like I think the roster could look differently because they've got a really deep you know farm system. Not that they're going to go you know trade Adley Rutschman or anything, but they have pieces. If they're like, man, we really need another starting pitcher, maybe we can get that guy in July and improve. I, I think that could happen. All right, we're going to move the American League Central here. Always one of the more interesting divisions just because I'm never quite sure what to make of either the White Sox or the Guardians or the Twins. Um, Baseball Prospectus has a two-way tie, actually, at the top here. The Twins and the Guardians uh, at 88 wins. Let's start with the Guardians. Where are you on 88? I'm I'm going over on that. I think that like... The thing about the Guardians is like, yeah, it's frustrating. You watch them, and it's like, well, maybe they should, you know, they should should you should maybe invest a little more in getting a bat, or you know, do, done this and that. They, you know, they feel, it feels like they could do more. That said, it's it's a good roster, right? <laughs> like you want to, it's it's a little bit similar to what the Rays have done over the years. The difference is they play in an easier division where they don't spend a ton of money, but it's hard to criticize them too much because they always seem to to put a winning team on the field. And you look at that, you look at the the, the the lineup again, and it's like, oh, okay, like that's a, you know, they added Josh Bell, which is an upgrade for them. They added Mike Zanino, who offensively is an upgrade for them. And it's like, okay, they actually made their lineup a little bit better. And Bieber's still good. Tristan McKenzie's getting better. It's, you know, they have Emmanuel Class A, who with Edwin Diaz hurt is maybe the best reliever, I would say is the best reliever in the game. Like it's a good team. So I'll, you know, the, 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 the Twins have made kind of sexier moves over the years. And, you know, we'll do our full predictions next week. But, like, the, the Guardians are still a good team. I, I think they'll win at least 90 games. I, that's, that's funny you say that. I have them at exactly 90 games, which I think is both satisfying because 90 wins is pretty good. And maybe it'll still disappoint some Guardians fans who are like, you know, why don't you think more of them? Uh, I think people always underrate their bullpen because aside from Class A, it's just guys that nobody knows. You know, like Trevor Steffen's really, really good. Nobody knows who that is. Uh, uh, I would feel better about the offense if I knew which Josh Bell they were getting because he tends to either be like really, really good or unplayably poor and very rarely like in the middle. So I'd like to know which one of those he's getting. I love the Naylor brothers. Um, I think... Yeah, you know, Andre Jimenez is a superstar, and I don't think enough people realize. So Jose Ramirez has been like a top, I don't know, five player in baseball for the last five or six years. Wasn't that great in the second half of last year? And it turns out it's because he had a thumb injury, so he had surgery. Reportedly, looks great, and I'm I'm in on Stephen Kwan. So like 90 is pretty good, but you know they're still not going to hit enough home runs, and that is going to continue to be a problem. So we're both over on that. Uh, Baseball Prospectus also has the Twins at 88 wins. I'm over on that, but here, here's the controversial part. I'm over on that, and I'm putting them ahead of Cleveland. I have them at 91 wins. I know I'm going to be disappointed by the Twins. I'm disappointed by the Twins every single year, but I like what they did. They added depth. There's sort of like an Angels-esque thing going on here. They got destroyed by injuries last year. And what happened was Byron Buxton you know, doesn't play, as often happens. They didn't really have anyone to put in there. So they're like, well, we're going to go out and get Michael A. Taylor who may not be able to hit, but is a phenomenal defensive center fielder. You know, we're going to bet on Joey Gallo to rebound. Is that going to happen? I don't know, but he's a very good outfielder, right? So the outfield is great. Um, I The more I think about it, the more I like the arise for Pablo Lopez trade a lot. And Lopez has learned a new pitch. Um, I'm in on Joe Ryan. They've got depth in the rotation, which they haven't had for a while. Is a bullpen an arm short? Probably. And I guess think about all the words I just said without saying Carlos Correa. They got Carlos Correa back. Uh, and then not going into my uh, predictions here, but, you know, important. I love their new uniforms. They look so good. I can't wait to see that on the field. 
Over. I agree with you on the uniforms. I disagree with you on the over-under. I think the Lopez trade made sense from their perspective. I mean, I, I love Luis Arais. He, he's one of my favorite players in the game. I think it made sense from their perspective. I'm not just not sure how much Pablo Lopez moves the needle for them. Um, and I've always just – it always feels like he has the same season every year. I'm very curious to see how he does in the American League. Starts strong and then slowly fizzles as the years goes on. And the bottom of that, I mean, the top of that lineup, again, with a healthy Buxton, looks pretty good. I love the Gallo sign, signing. Um, but the bottom of the lineup, it's still, like, there's just a lot of unproven guys there. And I, as much as I want to trust Buxton, it's just hard to trust Buxton. So I'm going under. I, I really, every day it seems like I see stories about this team. So, like, Dan Hayes had a great one in The Athletic where halfway through last season, Nick Gordon went to the hitting coach, David Popkins, and said, hey, I want to hit for more power. And he's like, cool, let's do that. And he's like, oh, really? Everyone else has told me I should, like, you know, hit it on the ground. And, and like, he was great the second half. I love stories like that. All right, our third place team is an interesting one. The Chicago White Sox at 79 projected wins. It turns out I also have the Chicago White Sox at exactly 79 projected wins. Uh, I think they have made a large upgrade at manager. That much seems clear. I don't trust this team. Like, Eli Jimenez can never stay healthy. Like, they still have a good core, right? Juan Moncada hasn't been that guy in like three years. Giolito wasn't that good last year. Uh, I don't trust that Grandal is going to bounce back at this age. And then, of course, a huge blow, like beyond baseball, just from a personal point of view, you know, Liam Hendricks is dealing with lymphoma. And obviously, his health is far more important than anything, but it doesn't change the fact they're going to be without his services for a while. So I, I think this team is going to be. Okay, but 79 seems about right to me. Um, I will take the an unenthusiastic over on this, and I'm someone who's been very pro-White Sox the last couple of years. I think I could still take the over here and say, like, hey, they'll win 81 or 82 games and still not feel like they're going to be all that good. There is enough high-end talent here to be a, be a, be a competitive team. And so I think that that still exists. Um, even if some of those players, as you mentioned, Mankata being a big one who who disappointed, I think I like had him as my like MVP pick two years ago. <laughs> I was like, this is this is this is the year it's going to happen. Um, that aged poorly. Um, yeah. Don't but, forget they lost Jose Abreu too. <laughs> that doesn't help. No, it 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 doesn't. Although as we've discussed on this podcast before, it does align their players a little bit better. So I think they're actually were pretty a little bit in a better position to handle that loss than most teams would be. Um, I don't want to say it's addition by subtraction, but it's it's not exactly like a full. It it, it aligns their roster a bit better, but I, I'll take the over. But I'm I'm lukewarm on them, regardless. Yeah, I think I was more surprised by five years for Andrew Benatendi than I was for thirteen years for uh, Sandra Bogarts and those guys. So speaking of unenthusiastic overs, the bottom of teams in this division, it turns out I'm over by a lot. And I'm kind of surprised by that because I don't actually think either of them are that great. Uh, BP has Detroit at 65 wins. I had them at 72 wins. So I'm saying they're a 90 loss team. Maybe I'm being optimistic. Maybe I'm being sucked in by the fact that Spencer Torkelson is just like pounding the baseball this spring. Uh, I don't know why I even went as high as 72, but I did. So I guess I'm over. But as far as unenthusiastic overs go, I think I'm taking your phrase and applying it here. That's, I mean, this is where the uh, baseball perspective, like the wider error bars yeah. on the projections seem to come into play, where it's like, I could say over and still think that that they're not going to be very good. But Spencer, Tork Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green having like sort of building block years would make this team, if you're a fan of the Tigers, they've been bad for a few years now, right? You don't, you're, not, you're not expecting to, it's like, you want a reason to watch the team. 
what's the reason to watch the team? The reason to watch the team would be like some of these young guys starting to pop a little bit. And that starts with those two guys um, more than any, more than anyone on the roster. It's been, I mean, the fact that none of these pitchers they drafted high in the draft have like popped at all is really set them back. I mean, Casey Mize, the number one overall pick. Matt Manning was a first round pick. I mean, there was a lot put behind those guys, and it just hasn't worked. There's still hope for Torkelson. And Green was actually decent last year. He wasn't, he wasn't even – he was like, for a rookie, he was solid. And I think that oh, like – Torkelson? No, Green. Oh, Green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Green was – yeah, yeah. Yeah, Green was solid. Torkelson was a big disappointment. But Green, there's reason for optimism. Torkelson, it's more you, you cross your fingers a little bit and hope because he was also the number one – they had the number one pick in the draft twice in the last few years. Yeah, this, this has to work, right? If Tork and Green – and these pitchers don't work out, this sets them back by like 10 years. Like this has to work and they have a new general manager and all that. The final team in the Central, uh, Kansas City, Pakota has them at 64. I have them at 74. I don't really want to be like plus 10 wins here, but 74 wins isn't exactly a huge compliment either. I like the lineup. That's what it is. And it's not just my man Vinny. You know, like MJ Melendez will hit, even though I don't think he can catch. They have Sal Perez. Um, Bobby Wood Jr., I think will take a step forward. I, I like some of the Kyle Isbell, right? I like some of the things about their lineup. I like that they have replaced the entire like pitching staff infrastructure because you never heard great things about like pitchers who were there in terms of like improving using new technology. And this is neither here nor there. Did you see that Zach Granke the other day said, I wanted to work on my pickoffs. So I basically like got shelled and just let dudes get on base. That's like <laughs> the perfect Zach Granke story. I love it. Um, no, I think probably more than any team Prakota projection, this one might have stood out to me the most. Not because I think the Royals are going to be great, but like, I don't know. Like, I, I I don't think that they can compete for a playoff spot, but I think that they could be they could be spunky. Like, I think that they them being a, a 500 team would not shock me. So to see 64 wins here, really, like that was like I did like a triple take because I look at their I look at it up and I'm like, okay, Bywood Junior, that's a talented player. Even you know, like even if maybe he some OBP issues, what have you, like. I'm 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 still believing Melendez can hit. As you mentioned, Perez, Vinny, your boy Vinny. Like, okay, this is like, there there there's there's something here. Um, so I'll take the over. I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff team, but I'll take the over on that. Yeah, like I said, I was plus ten on this one. All right, let's uh, go to the American League West here. The number one projected team. I was actually surprised by the gap here. We can talk about this in a second. Uh, Prakota has Houston at 94 wins. It's exactly what I ended up having. So I'm a push there. I was surprised to see that they had them by 11 wins over Seattle, which I think we can talk about in a minute because I don't think that's going to be as much of a gap. But uh, I think it says a lot about the depth of the Astros, right? You lose Verlander because he went off to the Mets. Uh, you've now lost Altuve for some amount of time. Jordan Alvarez has been limited by hand issue this spring, and I'm still looking at this team and going, 94 wins. Like, yeah, yeah, that that sounds about right. Remember that Yuli Gurriel was so weak last year. They had like the second weakest first base production, and now they've added Jose Abreu, who's pretty good. I remember the postseason where they were so loaded in pitching, they couldn't even find a room for Luis Garcia and Christian Javier to get into the game. It took like an 18-inning game for Luis Garcia to pitch. These guys are really good. Uh, I understand it'd be nice to have Verlander and Altuve back, but I'm a push on this one because 94 wins, wonderful. I, I kind of put the the Astros in the same bucket. I kind of go with the Braves, where it's kind of like I'm going to doubt them when they give me reason to doubt them, right? Like it's not the most scientific method of doing things, but the core of their team is still young enough. It's not like you know <laughs> Alex Bregman feels old, but he's like what like 29, 30. You know, same with Altuve, like. When he comes back, I'm pretty confident he'll hit. Jordan Alvarez is squarely in his prime. Like 
their stars are still in, in their star hitters are still kind of in prime years. As you said, they're upgrading one of the weakest spots in all of baseball last year, even if Jose Abreu is as good as he was last year. And I don't expect him to be, even if he's like 30% worse, it's going to be an upgrade. And the bullpen is just crazy good. So That's like the amount of the, the bullpen depth is so good that I would take the over there. You're over 94. That's yep. That is high praise. All right. Um, the second team here is not the Seattle Mariners, would you believe this? Pakoda actually has the Angels at 86. And I think that's about right. I mean, everybody talks about Otani and Trout getting to the playoffs. Forget the playoffs. They haven't been over 500 in seven years, right? So if they get the 500, it's simultaneously not good enough and a step forward. Uh, we've talked a lot about the uh, increased depth, which I like. I'm a little bit surprised at how, uh, well, I think the bullpen's very weak. But I've gotten a lot more respect for the starting pitching over the last couple of weeks because Patrick Sandoval looked great in the World Baseball Classic. And every report about Reed Detmers I read says that he's throwing like four miles an hour harder. So if you have Otani and Detmers and Tyler Anderson and Patrick Sandoval, all of a sudden, maybe you've got yourself a rotation. That's really in- interesting to me. So like 86 may not sound like a lot, but that would be their best season in like forever. So I'm going to say yes, 86, exactly. Um, yeah, I'm going to go slight over for kind of similar reasons we talked about with the Orioles before. If there's any team that's going to be motivated to improve midseason this year, is it is the Angels. So I think that they're a team that as long as they don't like come out of the gate really flat and terrible and are in in the wild card race, and I think there's good reason to believe that they will be, you know, adding bullpen arms, which is always the easiest thing to do midseason, they would be in good good position too. And uh I'll take the over there. All right, so this is interesting. The third place projected team, I imagine Mariners fans are furious about this. They have the Mariners at 83 wins, and I've certainly been a little bit down on them, but I have them at 90 wins. Like, I'm kind of a big over on this. Uh, I'm not sure they're going to hit enough. I don't love the middle infield. I do not trust Jared Kelnick in any way. The pitching looks really good. I mean, Luis Castillo for a whole year. Robbie Ray looks great so far in spring training. You got Logan Gilbert and George Kirby both apparently trying to learn, you know, splitters or changeups or what have you. I, they added to Oscar Hernandez. Bullpen's going to be really good. I am a big over on this. I'm still not going to pick them over Houston, right? But if I've got 83, I, I had them at 90. So that's a that's a big over for me. It's, I mean, having Castillo for a full season, assuming we we get the Castillo we saw in Seattle last year, makes me feel pretty good about being the over. They, they had, I mean, the bullpen, their top three bullpen arms are really good. Um, I love Andres Munoz. And they made, like, they didn't do sort of, like, the sexy big signing that some people expected. Like, I kind of thought that maybe they would, you know, try and try and make a play for for um, a Bogarts or a Correa this offseason. But they added a bunch of, like, competent veterans. And, like, you like, look at their, like, I was looking at the roster the other day. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot they now have, like, Colton Wong now. And they have AJ Powell. Like, oh, and they have Tom Estella. It's like, and they have Tasker Hernandez. It's not, like the most exciting names. And some of those guys are maybe like a little fringe, but like I would sort of trust them as secondary or tertiary players on your roster. I think you said those guys are a little fringe. At first I heard you as a little cringe and I was wondering what you didn't like about them, but fringe is good. We'll go, we'll go with fringe. Uh, the fourth place team is a very interesting one. Dakota has the Texas Rangers at 79 wins. I guess I'm just in an optimistic mood. I'd put down 84 wins. But to be honest, it sort of feels to me like they're going to win either 90 games or 60 and and not in between. It's either going to go really well or just absolutely disastrously because of all like the high variance arms they have, right? If DeGrom stays healthy, great. If Heaney, if Evaldi stay healthy, great. And if not, 
Ooh, that could be a long season there. So I have them as over, but you know, only like an 84 win team on the 79 win projection. I mean, the the error bars on that rotation have to be the highest in in all of baseball. I mean, like re, like every single one of these guys has just like the the very like who knows? I mean, Degrom obviously we we know the history. Martin Perez was great last year, but he's been pretty mediocre in like the four years before that. And even last year, if you look at like his secondary stats on baseball savant, they're like, eh, not that, not that great. Um, Andrew Heaney, exactly. Nathan Nivaldi, John Gray. These are guys who have either often either been hurt really good or really bad. You never know. So I will go with the under for that reason, just because, you know, the greatest predictor of pitcher injury is previous injury. And um, I think that all those guys sort of have those concerns. And I'm not saying they're all going to get hurt, but even losing two or three of them for an extended amount of time is really going to set them back. And it's not like their lineup is so great that it can overcome the, um, that 90 win scenario assumes like perfect health. And every year there's always the one team who's like shockingly healthy and exceeds expectations. And maybe it will be the Rangers this year, but I'm skeptical. And then the final team, I feel a little bit badly about this one. Uh, Oakland is projected for 65. I had written them down as 58. There is not a great deal to like about this roster. If you look at the best projected hitter, I'm looking at Fangrass now, the best projected hitter on the roster, that only is Seth Brown, who is projected to hit 234, 300, 444. They've got a couple of decent pitchers, but there's already some injury issues. The A's will be good again. Like, I think they've earned the benefit of the doubt that they, you know, every couple of years figure out a new way forward. But it's not going to be this year, and I think it's just going to be a very long year in Oakland. Under, I'm sort of sad to say the same, right? Like I, I just, I mean, it's it's a little bit of the opposite of what I was talking about with the Tigers, where you're kind of you think, okay, well, at least there's a couple guys I can get excited about watching, even if the team isn't going to be very good. Assuming assuming they play well, I'm not really sure who that is on the A's. I guess it's maybe Shea Langoliers, but he's already 25. You know, Estrella Ruiz could be really fun. Like I'm hoping, honestly, what I hope is that they basically just like let him try and steal a base every time he gets on and be like, hey, can someone steal 80 bases? Because that would be fun to watch. That would be fun. I'll want to watch when uh, Fujinami pitches because I'm kind of yes. curious to see how he does. But beyond that, there's just not that much to get excited about on this roster. With you with, on Ruiz. I have lots of questions about his bat, but he should be fun to watch play. I'm also just kind of half interested to see if a change of scene helps J.J. Blade in any way or if the Marlins are just like, no, it's just not going to work out for him. All right, that was super fun. We're going to take a break and we're going to come back. We're going to run through the National League in the exact same way on the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast. Back on the MLB.com Ballpark Dimensions podcast, Mike Petriel and Matt Myers. We just ran through the American League over-unders as part of our season preview for 2023. We're going to do the same thing in the National League. We're going to start in the National League East. We are going to start with the top projected team by baseball prospectus's Pocota system, and that is the New York Mets at 94 wins. Uh, again, I kind of came up with my own numbers without looking at what they had, and I had the New York Mets at 94 wins, but not in first place. We'll get to that in a second. The Mets have suffered a tremendous loss this spring, right? Edwin Diaz is hands down the best closer in baseball. One of the most dominant like pitcher, uh, batter by batter pitchers in baseball history. I think he's out for probably the whole season. And that is, it is irreplaceable. You cannot 
replace that. Uh, they avoided a major scare with Brandon Nimmo, right? Jose Quintana is going to be out for a while. Kodai Senga looked great yesterday. They're a really talented team. I, I think it's sort of like the Yankees. If you focus too much on what's gone wrong, you lose sight of all the things that have gone right. This is a really good roster. I mean, 94 wins and second place may not be what they bargained for, especially with all the money they spent, but that's a pretty good season by almost anyone's standards. So I'm push here because that's exactly what I had. You're giving away your division predictions, Mike. Come on. For this week. I could still change <laughs> things before next week. Yeah, I, I I mean, I'm I'm sort of feeling the same way. I've I've tried to give a firm over under on basically every team. 94 wins feels about right. Um the Mets are kind of similar, as I said, they're a little similar to the Angels. And I feel like because of the Diaz injury, they'll be motivated to improve their bullpen midseason. Now, obviously, that might come at some prospect cost, but I feel like they're 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 almost certain to add a good higher level leverage relievers sometime in June or July who should raise their floor a little bit. And who knows what happens with Diaz. There's actually some interesting reporting in The Athletic this week about, hey, maybe there's a chance he could pitch because it's his his drive leg, not his landing leg. I think it's fair to assume he's not going to pitch this year, but like we shall see. So I think 94 feels about right. They do have some interesting prospects who actually have the potential to come and make an impact, which also I think probably raises their ceiling more than it raises their floor. I think people forget how long the uh, expanded postseason feels now. Because, like, will Diaz be back by September? No, probably not. Does anybody remember Kyle Schwarber in the 2016 World Series? Like, is there a scenario where the Mets advance and it's like, okay, we're in the World Series now. Uh, Hey, Edwin, you want to give it a shot? (laughs) Uh, I'm not saying that'll happen. It could be pretty cool. Uh, The second, well, there's a tie, actually. So, Pakoda has the uh, Phillies and Braves tied uh, for 90 wins, second place. Let's start with the Phillies. I had written down, 91 wins. So that's pretty close. I think the Phillies are in a very interesting spot because, yes, they made the World Series last year. That's incredibly good. They signed Trey Turner. I don't know if you've paid attention to baseball over the last two weeks. Trey Turner is really, really good at this. And now they're going to have Trey Turner. Uh, Bryce Harper may not miss quite as much time as we thought. It's probably still two months, but it's not likely to be the all-star break now. I'm a little worried about the pitching depth, I think. Because Ranger Suarez uh, is already limited. Andrew Painter has a UCL. No one's quite sure, but it doesn't sound like they're going to be using him as an option for a while. So I'm a little bit worried about the depth. I don't know what to make of Craig Kimbrell at this point. Like Nobody seems to. Obviously, the lineup is going to be super good. If Nick Castellanos can like return to anything like he used to be, it could be the best lineup. I don't know how much to trust that. Um, but again, I have them as 91 wins. I think they'll be quite good. And yet, there are two better teams in the division. I think... I'll take a slight. I feel like they're going to end up kind of where they were last year. Turner, obviously, huge, huge upgrade. The bullpen, it's still s- sort of shocking to me that still, as time goes by, it still doesn't feel like they have like a, a reliever who you look at and say, oh, I, tr- I trust this guy every single day. Like, they have guys who on their best day are as dominant as anyone, like Jose Alvarado. And I guess Sir Anthony Dominguez has, he's a little more consistent, but like, it still feels like any given day. I mean, every Phillies game is an adventure, and they're going to score runs. Their bullpen might give up runs. They play entertaining games. When Harper's healthy, that lineup is going to look ridiculous, assuming everyone else stays healthy. So, I'll take a slight under, but I think they're they're still a very good team, and it wouldn't surprise it wouldn't surprise me if they won the division. Uh, the, the tied the other team tied for second place is the Braves at projected ninety wins. Actually, the Braves at ninety six. I kind of. I'm all in on the Braves. I have them as the best team in baseball. I think I'm going to have them as, I don't know if be the World Series winner, but I mean, I think they have as good a shot as anybody else. And the reason for that is if you look at the guys that were successful for them last year, so many of them were partial season players, right? Like Michael Harris came up in the season. Spencer Strider came up in the season. 
Ozzy Albies missed a huge chunk of the season. Ronald Acuna took like six weeks or so, I think, to get back after his knee injury. Uh, oh, and they traded for Sean Murphy, who they didn't have last year. You know, like this is a really, really good and deep team. And maybe even get something out of Michael Soroka, which you haven't had in a couple of years. I like the bullpen a lot. I think they got a lot of really interesting names there. I know that shortstop's a total mess right now. Like, I, I you cannot whitewash that. Like, it's kind of a disaster. But I have confidence that they'll figure something out. Like they always seem to. There's so much talent here. I had them at 96 wins. So that's a, a six over the 91 projection. I said it before. Talking about the Astros, I'll doubt the Braves and they give me reason to doubt them. Um, I'll take the over on 90 wins. The player I'm probably of like the five or six players I'm most interested to watch this year to see how they do is Michael Harris II, just because like he was so good and fun player, like just like. Fantastic at center field, has some pop, has some speed. Also, just kind of a hacker, and I'm curious to see how the league adjusts him or if he adjusts and sort of becomes more selective because I'm not rooting for this because I think he's a wildly exciting player, but like I could see I could see a sophomore slump there just because of his approach at the plate, and I think there's a lot of expectation on him, rookie of the year. So he's one of the players I'm most curious to see this year. Pretty much everything else. I mean, the starting pitching is really good and deep, and... It's a it's it's a really well rounded roster. I have, I have so much confidence in them making the right decisions about their own guys. You know, they traded away Christian Pache and they kept Michael Harris. One of them's a borderline superstar, and one of them is a borderline major leaguer. You know, a lot of the guys they sent to Oakland, it's early, haven't panned out yet. So I, it, I'm a little bit biased in the sense that I trust them because they've earned, I think, the benefit of the doubt. All right, the fourth place team. I've made this joke before. The fourth placiest team. I don't know how you could pick them anywhere but fourth place considering the three teams ahead of them and the one team below them. The Marlins, uh, BP has them as 80 wins. I had them at 83, kind of close, slightly over. We, I, I honestly cannot believe how much we've talked about the Marlins this offseason. I feel like we've had like five different Marlins segments. So at the risk of rehashing it all, I like that they've made moves to add contact and improve their offense. I think they have absolutely done that. I don't think it's good enough. I think the cost of hurting their defense and weakening their rotation will offset a lot of that. So will they be like a... a spunky team who's hard to play sure will they win some games yes are they like better than 500 ish uh, i don't think so so i'm over but only in the sense that i had 83 compared to 80 i like a lot of players a lot of players in their team they're just like personal favorites so i've always liked you know I, i've always liked to rise jazz chisholm gene segura i thought that was a nice little pickup although third base a little bit of a square square peg i will take the under though even though i think there will be times during the season when they have like win streaks and they're they're kind of clicking and they look good because i think the style of play and sort of there's gonna be so much emphasis this year around speed and like they have like putting the ball in play and they have a lot of players who do these things. And so like there'll be games when like they're just like having rallies with, you know, a few hits and guys taking extra bases where it'll feel like, oh man, this team is tough to play. I think they will be tougher to play than they their record will suggest, if that makes sense. Would I hear an over-under on this? I would I'm gonna take the under. I just don't think they have enough power. And there's like regardless of the new rules and what changes, it just Power still plays and wins, and they just don't really have it. And finally, uh, the Nationals, who I guess in some sense are the National League A's, uh, they had 62 wins was the projection. I was under actually at 59. I actually think in real real life, I might be under 59, but I didn't really want to like put that here. The difference is between them and the A's, I think the Nationals do have a bunch of players I'm pretty interested to see play. You know, like I think they're going to play CJ Abrams every day at shortstop. Like, cool. I want to see that. I really want to see if Joey Meneses is like the real deal. You know, is this like a two month fluke or is he like the next guy? And they looked pretty good in the World Baseball Classic. A couple of half interesting pitchers. Like I like Josiah Gray and Mackenzie Gore. 
somewhat. I don't really expect to ever see Steven Strasburg again, which is kind of a tremendous bummer. They're not going to be a good team. They might actually be a quite poor team. But there's at least a couple of guys there where it's like, yeah, I, I, I want to see how this is going to go. Out of respect for Corey Dickerson, one of my all-time personal, random personal favorites, <laughs> I'm taking the over. All right. Dom Smith? You love Dom Smith. <laughs> uh, I used to like Dom Smith. It's just, it's, it got, uh, he just he always, he seems like a, a, a good dude and he's easy to root for. But it was like, it became hard. Like the utter lack of power just made it hard. To, like some of his at bats became hard to watch and pitchers just knew it and they just challenged him. And it was just, it was, it was, a, it was tough. Yeah. I, I think he's going to go down as being a guy who got a tremendous boost by 2020 being a two month season because like it was very small sample there. All right. National League Central, always kind of an interesting one because the teams are never that far apart. Um, the Milwaukee Brewers are baseball prospectus's projected winner at 87 wins. That was pretty close. I had them at 85 wins. Just sort of feel like we say the same thing about the Brewers all the time. Hey, they've got some pretty good pitching. Are they going to hit enough? What's Christian Yelich's deal? I don't know. It's sort of the same thing again. Uh, the only thing that's different now, I think, is that they're pretty close to graduating a bunch of interesting outfield prospects, guys who are either ready now or like will be at some point in the season. And so here I'm talking about guys like you know Garrett Mitchell, uh, Joey Wimmer, Sal Fralick. Uh, I don't think. Jackson Churio is actually going to get up this season. He's 19. Hey, maybe he will. And so it's like, if those guys are the core of like the future good Brewers lineup and that's going to happen now, okay, cool. I mean, you might only have so much time left with Corbin Burns and Brian Woodruff, right? Uh, but either way, I think they'll they'll put enough runs together. I love Willie Thomas. I think Rowdy Tellez could have a good year. Maybe my favorite sneaky transition of the winter was when the A's traded Sean Murphy to the Braves and the Brewers just like snuck in to get William Contreras somehow. I love that. And so They'll hit enough. They'll pitch well. They'll be very close with the Cardinals. I think this is the same thing every year. The projection was eighty-seven. I had eighty-five. I'm 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 looking at the Brewers right now, and I, I I don't know what it is. I'm I'm feeling good about them at this moment. Like I think that like you know, as you said, Contreras was a sneaky pickup. I think that Jesse Winker's a good pickup for them. Yeah, I think that like he was terrible last year in Seattle, but he still had like a three forty OBP and. You know, back in the NL Central, maybe a little more familiarity. I don't know. I think that he's going to be pretty good for them. I think that, like, it's – you mentioned that like, Freelick was fun in the World Baseball Classic. Like, he could be an interesting player. The pitching, obviously, is very good. I'm going to go over on 80, uh, 87 wins. Winker just seemed like a bad culture fit. And I don't mean that to say he's a bad guy or it was a bad clubhouse. I really don't know. But there's just a number of stories where just like he didn't quite fit there. And a change of scene could really do him uh, some good. And who doesn't want to hit in Milwaukee? Right? Like That's a great fit for a guy. Uh, the Cardinals are always interesting, right? First time in about 75 years that neither Pujols or Albert Pujols or, excuse me, or Yadi Molina will be there. Um, Adam Wainwright is down for a couple weeks now. He's got a strained, I can't remember if it was groin or hamstring, but it's one of those. I think it's a groin, right? Did you see? What it's, a gro- it's a groin. I, I, I got the sense, and not to sort of start start rumors on the podcast. I got Ooh. the sense it could be more than a couple of weeks. Although I don't. Ooh. I mean, how much? I mean, you obviously he you obviously trust him to sort of like be competent, but like he was kind of surprisingly good last year. Like, how much stock are you really putting in Adam Wainwright this year? Like, how big of a loss is this actually? Adam Wainwright, I saw in the WBC, was not terribly impressive. Right. I mean, the velocity was down, but, you know, that's kind of been his thing for a while. The the thing that Cardinals have in the rotation is they have a deeper rotation than they've had in a while. Like they have a number of guys that would feel comfortable with starting a major league game. They don't really have anyone who's I'm going to throw him out in game one of a playoff game unless Jack Flaherty like turns the clock back to that two month stretch from that 2019 or whatever. Where he was awesome. So to answer your question, 
I don't think it matters that much, which sounds horrible to say. Like this guy's a franchise legend. He's thrown a billion innings. Um, I, he was going to be what? Their number four starter, right? Flaherty, Michaelis, Montgomery. And then I guess you put Wayno over Mats. Uh, you need him back for depth. I don't think you need him right this second, I guess is the way I would answer that question. Yeah. I, so what, I mean, what's, Pakoda has them at 86 wins. Yeah. I, I mean, the, I feel like it's the Cardinals, so they'll probably win more than 86 games no matter what happens. So I feel like the safe thing to say is to take to uh, to, to take the over. It is a good lineup, and you know, everyone's excited about Jordan Walker, whether or not he makes the, the opening day ro- lineup. That could be a, a huge, huge impact player. Um, although I felt, you know, two years ago, they were the Cardinals were also hyping Dylan Carlson as the next superstar, and he obviously has not panned out. But obviously, Walker hits the ball with real authority and looks – like a dude. So that's, I will take the over on them just because they're the Cardinals. I had them at 87, um, kind of with you. Goldschmidt and Arenado are probably the best corner infield duo in baseball. I, Goldschmidt's not going to repeat what he did, right? He's not a young player anymore. There's a little bit of overproduction. He'll be good, but I don't think he'll be MVP caliber good. The one thing I think that people don't talk enough about is because Yadi Molina was like capital letter Yadi Molina, defensive super god, no one really talked about the fact that he just could not hit at all for the last three years or so. And while Wilson Contreras is not the defender, certainly he's a much better hitter, right? So that's like a huge increase in offense from behind the plate. I've got a lot of questions about the outfield. So like, I think Tyler O'Neill will bounce back and have a pretty good year. I'm mostly in on Lars Newbar having like his big step forward. I'm real down on Dylan Carlson. It is hard to hit the ball as softly as he did last year at like fourth percentile hard hit rate. And it was injured a little bit. It's hard to do that and ever have like big hard hit gains. I'm down on that. And even Jordan Walker, I think he's hurt a little bit. Tons of strikeouts in the minors. So like some of these guys will work it out because they always do because, yes, they're the Cardinals. I don't know. Watch like Taylor Motter or Alec Burleson have like 25 home runs this year. So that's what always happens. So, you know, every single year they're going to win in the high 80s. It's going to be a close matchup with Milwaukee. That's where I'm at with this. The third place projected team by BP is the Cubs at 76 wins. I had them at 81 wins, which is not a huge projection. But the Cubs added a ton of guys, right? Tyone is a pretty uh, big ad. Uh, Trey Mancini is pretty good. Oh, yeah. Dansby Swanson, that guy, like the massive shortstop they signed. I feel like I'm forgetting somebody else obvious. But they have made a bunch of moves to add competency. They'll be solid. They won't be great. They'll be better than they were. And they're just kind of trying to take steps, I think, until this next wave of, of prospects they have comes forward in the next year or two. And then maybe they start being like the Cubs again. So I have them over uh, at 81 wins. I'll take a slight over as well. And yeah, it's it's nationally. I feel like we should kind of run through these next couple of teams pretty quickly. They're, they're pretty. It's pretty stratified, and these teams are sort of not in that top tier or even the second tier. Um, the Cubs, I would say, maybe I'd give a puncher's chance of making the the post making a, being a postseason contender, but it's it's a long shot as far as I'm concerned. So that's a uh, 76 and over. Slight. Yeah. Okay. The final two teams are clearly not going anywhere this year. Pittsburgh. They have them at 72. I had them at 75. They're sort of like the Nationals, I think, in the sense that there are some guys I'm interested in, right? I definitely want to see O'Neill Cruz for six months. You know, I want to see if Cabrian Hayes can lift the ball. I want to see what happens with Brian Reynolds. And it's super cool. They're going to have Andrew McCutcheon back in Pittsburgh. That's going to be fun. This is going to be a good team. No. Uh, are they going to be a watchable team? I think. I think yes. So I'm over on 72, but not by a great deal. I think that's right. They also have Rich Hill, another fun guy to watch. So they have Rich Hill until June when he gets traded to the Red Sox. That is foretold. That's how these things always go. Uh, the final team, uh, the Reds, 
Pakoda has them at 69. I have them at 60. I think the Reds are going to be a tough watch this year. There's there's guys who aren't that far away, right? Like Ellie De La Cruz is not that far away. Noel V. Marte is not that far away. Those guys aren't here now. And I don't know. I love Joey Votto. Like, I love Joey Votto. I am not sure what to expect from Joey Votto in what's potentially the last year of his career. So they don't really pitch. They don't really hit. Yeah, 60 might be optimistic, but I'm under. I like. I'm curious to, to watch Votto. Yeah, they they will be fun when Hunter Green pitches and yes, Nick yes. Lodolo is interesting. Beyond that, Votto is like if he can be an OBP guy. Like, would this be the year he actually accepts a trade? It's like, hey, maybe a contender like wants an OBP guy. Like, this is there his. This is the final. He has one more year in his contract, but it's a club option. So this essentially, as you said, this could be the last year of his career because it's like a twenty million dollar club option that will not be picked up. It's hard to imagine a scenario in which it get gets picked up. So he will almost certainly be a free agent after this year. And depending on how he plays, he's going to be 40 this year. Like it would be cool though, if he like put together like a Votto, like 360 OBP with 15 homers and some team in need of a lefty bat trades for him the season. And he's like, yeah, you know what? Like, let's go put down a new uniform and makes a postseason run. That's what I'm rooting for. Let me tell you this. If Brandon Belt trips on an oily rag that happened to be placed outside his locker and he twists his knee and all of a sudden Toronto needs a lefty hitting first base DH, I know where I'm looking first as to the culprit of that. All right. Our final one, the National League West. I feel bad. We always leave the National League West until last, but that's just sort of the way it is. The Dodgers next week, let's do them first. What? We should have do them first. Next week, we'll do them first. Uh, That's what I'm saying. Next week, next week, we'll do them first. Great. Oh, yeah, I will do that. Next week. Uh, so right now, Pakoda has the Dodgers and Padres tied at 94 wins, which I think is interesting in a lot of ways. Let's give the Dodgers the benefit of the doubt here. I'm under. I'm under on the Dodgers. Wow. Did I really write 87 wins for the Dodgers? I guess I did. I can't take it back now. They're in such a weird spot. Like, a tremendously disappointing winner. Gavin Lux gets hurt. But also, they're the Dodgers. You said before, like, I trust the Braves and Astros until I don't. I feel like the Dodgers get that too. And I feel like there's some amount of, you know, we've got these AAA guys who are ready now who we just need to see what they are. You know, we want to see what Bobby Miller is. We want to see what Gavin Stone is. We want to see what James Outman is. We want to see what Miguel Vargas is. Still have Bookie Betts and Will Smith and Freddie Freeman and Clayton Kershaw. It's going to be a good team. Um, It's going to be a playoff team. But I, I am under a 94, I think, even though they won 111 last year. I mean, the, 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 the starting pitching is actually probably what gives me the most pause, frankly. Um, obviously, Urias and Kershaw are still very good at top rotation. But then, like, I mean, Dustin May, you can't really expect him to give you much in terms of length this year. Noah Syndergaard is, looks just like, who knows, you know? It just, it, it, there's a lot of uncertainty at the back of the rotation as far as I, as far as I'm concerned, more so than the Dodgers have had in a long time in terms of like their pitching depth, you know? So it's, 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 it's kind of crazy to say under, um, it's good because you still look at the top of the line. I was like, Oh, Betts, Freeman, Will Smith, those guys, they're pretty good. <laughs> I did if they had um, Trey Turner, that'd have been really good. Yeah. You think <laughs> so? Probably a slight under, but it's, um, they're still a good team. I'm not going to, I'm not suddenly going to say, oh, the Dodgers, like, write them off. It's still, there's still a lot of really good players on this team. All right, Pakota also had the Padres at 94. I wrote down 93, so is that technically an under? Yes, but it's basically the same thing. Padres may be the most fun team in baseball to watch this upcoming year, like the team I'm the most excited to watch because I think Juan Soto is going to be on a mission this year. You're going to see what happens when Tatis comes back. Um, you know, can they actually have Nelson Cruz and Matt Carpenter on the same team? That'll be fun. And they signed Xander Bogarts. Like, they... Uh, the fans there are so excited. I have questions about their defense. I don't love Bogarts as a shortstop, especially when Haseon Kim is a better shortstop. 
I don't love the outfield defense. Well, Trent Christian is very good in center field, right? But Soto is not a good outfielder. Can Tatis play the outfield? I don't know. If Cruz is DHing, does that mean Matt Carpenter has to play the outfield? So I've got questions there. And I've got some questions about rotation depth, right? Darvish, Snell, Musgrove is a pretty good top three. I can live with Michael Waka as a top four. And then it's like Nick Martinez and Seth Lugo. Not so sure about that. I, Cole Hamels. Actually, I'm looking at their depth chart. I knew Cole Hamels was there. They signed Julio Terran? When did that happen? What year is this? This could be the 2012 NLCS all over again or whatever. Um, and oh yeah, they have Josh Hader for an entire year too. It, they're going to be very good. Um, I don't think they're going to win like 110 games or anything, but I had them. I have a 93 on the Padres. 94 sounds about right um, as far as I'm concerned. I think that's pretty close, um, but I'm... I'm not sure if I'm prepared to pick them to win the division. So we'll ha- you guys, you listeners, will have to wait and see for <laughs> for next week for our division picks. That in the industry is what they call a teaser. Three more teams to look at. Uh, BP has the Giants at 81. I had them a little bit over at 83. They are in a had a weird offseason where they failed to get Aaron Judge and they failed to get Carlos Correa, but they ended up signing a bunch of guys to make themselves better, right? Like they signed Ross Stripling and they signed uh, Michael Conforto and they signed Mitch Hanniger and they brought back Jock Peterson and they signed Sean Manaya, who's apparently throwing harder, and they signed Taylor Rogers, who's very good, or Tyler Rogers, whichever one they didn't have before they got the other one, and now they have both of them. They're they have no star power. Like they are maybe the most nondescript good roster. And I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I think they're going to be good. Like, I think they're going to be solidly competent and decent. So uh, if the projection was 81, I was the over at 83. I'll, I'll take the over. I agree with what you said, although it's, it's kind of it's pretty funny. Their roster is a lot of like redundant pieces, like these left handed hitting like corner outfield first, you know, like to have Michael Conforto, Jock Peterson, Mike Ostromsky and Lamont Way Jr. on the same roster. Feels a little like overkill. One thing I like about this team a lot is, is their bullpen. I love, 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 love uh, Doval, and then the Rogers. They got the the Rogers twins. Like it's 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 a good bullpen, um, and they will be solid, but not great. The fourth place projected team, uh, the Diamondbacks, at seventy five wins. I took the over, and I'm not sure how I feel about this. We've talked about them a few times, right? The lineup is going to be super fun and exciting. I want to see Corbin Carroll for a whole year. That's going to be great. You know, you've got like Alec Thomas and uh, Jake McCarthy out there as well. And I I kind of like want to see if Kyle Lewis can stay healthy and do something for a little bit. Like that could be really cool if he could pull it off. And then they traded for Lord Escuriel and Gabriel Moreno, um, Christian Walker, who's been like one of my guys for years now. Hit 35 home runs last year with a gold glove. And when I looked up the spring training hard hit leaders yesterday, guess who was number one? Christian Walker. And it's like, how many guys in the lineup did I just say without pointing out that they have Evan Longoria and Cattell Marte? Now, you may notice at this point, I've talked entirely about their lineup, and I've ignored their pitching staff. The bullpen is bad. I like Merrill Kelly and Zach Gallen. That's kind of it. I think the, the lineup's going to be fun, and the pitching staff will have a really hard time keeping up. So I was, what did I say, over, but it's from 75 to 78. I Yeah, I'm... I'm... Basically everything you said. I want to be more high on them, but you look at the pitch. When you look at the lineup, you get really excited, and then you look. I mean, you look at the pitching staff, the bullpen especially, and it's hard to see that bullpen and making the playoffs, even a wild card. It's hard to, with that bullpen. It's hard to see winning any six games. But then again, bullpens are all over the map from year to year. So who knows? A couple of guys pop, and the next thing you know, they're the the darlings of the the darlings of the National League. So we'll see. I hope. So. I hope so for the sake of variance and interest and fun that this team kind of surprises because it could be a really entertaining team. And our final projection, the Rockies are projected at 65 wins. 
And that'll do it for this week's podcast. No, listen, it's not been a good it's not been a good spring. Brandon Rogers got hurt. Like that stinks. You know, the, it, nothing you can do about that. It stinks. I have them under. I have them at sixty wins. They've never lost a hundred before. This is going to be the year. The, their number five starter right now is Connor Siebold, who was DFA'd by the Red Sox like two months ago. You know, they don't have pitching depth at all. I don't know what to make of Daniel Bard right now. I I hope for his sake it's not what happened before because he seems like a great guy and he's been a very good pitcher. The lineup isn't deep chris bryant i think will hit if he's healthy um there's sort of like a vado-esque farewell tour i think for uh, charlie blackman who's in the final year of his career and has been a franchise legend but i this team is not going to score runs or prevent runs and so i have them at 60 and i I wonder if that's optimistic i'm going to say take the over only because because basically because of course field they basically always win about half their home games in which case they only have to win about 25 uh road games to uh get to 66 wins so um some of this is the weird home field advantage even if it comes with a road disadvantage but that's my special science behind my rockies prediction last year at home they were let's see 41 and 40 okay better than i thought on the road 27 and 54 which is a yikes Uh, that will do it for this week's podcast. Don't miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions, please leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast. See you next week.